I miss a green, for example, I'm already upset. When I find my ball in the bunker, I'm really upset. And when I find my ball in a fried egg. Fried egg. The dreaded fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg. Fried egg lie. I'm about ready to run off the golf course. Welcome back to another edition of the Friday Podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Fat Cork. Um, Mother's Day is right around the corner, and uh, everyone has a uh, special woman in their life, probably. And uh, a great way to celebrate them uh, this coming Mother's Day is with a uh, you know some nice champagne from Fat Cork. This is uh, I kind of liken this to the golf architecture, you know, nut of champagne where, you know, these grapes that are, uh, that Fetcork uses the, the champagnes that they get are from independent grower, growers in, in France. So they, you know, have the relationships with the independent growers who, who, you know, keep the best, uh, grapes from their crops for, you know, their own bottles. And, and that's what Fetcork does. They import those uh, bottles of champagne. There's bottles of champagne you can't get anywhere else, and they are delicious. So they have a number of Mother's Day packages available. Um, they are golf nuts. They are uh, big fans of uh, of what we do at the Fried Egg, but just generally like big golf nuts. They have these Mother Day Mother's Day packages. They have a club, a champagne club. If you're a frequent fizzer, go check out their. Champagne clubs, uh, those are amazing. There's nothing better than regular shipments of champagne. But Mother's Day, it, this is a great, great gift for, for a special woman in your life that is a mother. So um, visit fatcork.com. And if you use the promo code GOLF, you will get free shipping. So that's fatcork.com, promo code GOLF. And uh, get some great champagne for someone special in your life. And uh, yeah. Thank you to Fat Cork for the uh, for supporting what we do here. All right, we're going to do something a little bit different today. Uh, I have been traveling. Garrett has been traveling. It's been kind of a hectic uh, last few days. We had an event in uh, in Ojai, but then we had back to back media days uh, for the U.S. Open and the U.S. Women's Open. So we were at LACC on Monday and Pebble Beach on Tuesday. And I'm trying to pick up the pieces of uh, of a few days away here. So what uh, we're going to do here, the, first off, we'll talk a little bit about the media days. They were excellent. I, I, LACC is really, really rounding into phenomenal shape. Every time I go back there, I'm just more um, enamored, more in love with that golf course. It is, uh, it is truly a spectacular golf course. I, I really, I can't believe that we're finally getting to see a u.s open there i mean it's been forever um and it's just a it's an amazing amazing venue i said this to a couple people i really believe that it's the most beautiful um of the u.s open venues that we have it's just the the flora um of the golf course just the native vegetation there um in the barrancas and and it's just it's gorgeous and just the natural topography the the canyons. It is uh, it is a spectacular place. 
it is going to be firm and fast. It is, uh, I think it's really going to deliver. I think one of the things that's going to be nice for the USGA there is that the weather at that time of year in, in LA is pretty predict- predictable. So you're going to have kind of still mornings, a little wind in the afternoon, and you should have pretty even draws, uh, assuming nothing freakish comes out of it. So that tournament is really going to be awesome. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, the the women going to Pebble Beach is going to be a historic occasion. Um, it is uh, it's so cool for women's golf. I think like you know what ideally we get beyond you know this point of where it's so special that they get that the women get to go play Pebble Beach and it becomes just more of a you know normal occurrence. Um, I think that really the the major bodies, uh, you know, the, the open, the PGA and, uh, the U S women's open, all the PGA, the USGA and the RNA have really done an amazing job recently elevating the women's game with the venues. And, you know, it is, uh, it's really special to see this taking shape. I would love to see it continue to take shape across women's golf, where we see, you know, purses that are more close to men's purses, but also the venues that are of equal par on the LPGA as the PGA Tour. Obviously, they have a lot more venues that they can go to. Um, We're going to see it with Chicago Golf in the future as a women's open venue. Um, That's a venue that, you know, kicked the can down the curb and just couldn't figure out how they could do a men's open, but they can easily host a women's open. So with the LPGA, it'd be great to see them begin to get better and better venues. So with the women at at uh at Pebble, it's obviously going to be a historic year. It's it's gonna be terrific to watch them play out there. And uh I'm really, really thrilled and excited about those two championships. But the the purpose of this podcast is to talk a little bit more about the PGA championship in Oak Hill. Um so I'm gonna do my ten favorites. This is a list that I have uh kind of come up with. Today, I got thinking about the golf course even more. We obviously talked, me and Garrett, about it in great detail on the last episode. But today, I had uh, I had a call, um, and I started... I, some people were asking me some questions, and I started to, you know, really dial in on the course in a little bit different way. So this is more about the golf course and who might be a really good fit at Oak Hill. And uh, so I'll do my 10 favorites. But first, I just wanted to get into a few factors of why I'm picking these players. So we talked about this in the pod, the last podcast, but I think that there's going to be a level of distance that's important. And I want to qualify that also. I don't think it's not just distance. I think there's a lot of ways to get a ball out there in golf. There are players that hit it high and have a long carry distance and they generate their distance from carry. They also hit, you know, these players tend to hit, have a little higher trajectory on iron play. Um, So for me, that is the type of long hitter that I'm looking for. I am not as, as fascinated with the player that is optimized, you know, their driver hits that kind of knuckler that lands and rolls far just given the weather i think that that is going to it's going to be cold you know that 
that ball doesn't work as well in the cold. Um, and it could be a little wet with that. So, you know, that's not the ideal ball flight for me out here. I want a higher ball flight, a particularly a higher ball flight into greens. There are going to be a lot of long and mid iron shots at Oak Hill. Um, and many of them go to elevated greens. I want somebody that can hit the ball high. I think that's going to be important um, here. And I don't, you know, I think that we're looking at that in, in mid iron and long iron play. And I want a little distance. So one of the reasons I want mid and long iron play, lots of long par fours. There are not a lot of wedges available. And one of the reasons that that's the case is two of the shorter par fours. I mean, there's a lot of 460 plus par fours. It's a major championship, but the shorter par fours and two of them in particular, the second hole and the 10th hole, they kind of require you to lay back. And uh, the, because of bunkers um, on two and the fairway getting very, very narrow, I think a lot of guys are going to be laying back to 160-ish and taking that eight iron in uphill 160. It's if, if you're playing the morning, it's early in the morning. The ball's not going to go anywhere. There's going to be a lot of cold mornings at Oak Hill. Um, even if it's getting up to 70, it's going to be cold in the morning. So those morning rounds, it, they're going to be cold. The ball, the course is going to play long. So on two and 10 in particular, 10 does it with a Creek, some mounds, a bunker, some interesting topography. You might see these guys lay back and then all of a sudden it takes two wedge opportunities out of their hand. So really, you know, where you're going to see wedges, it's it's only a couple places. The par fives are very long. It'll be fascinating to see how they set it up with the especially with the club pros. I mean, they can make this place so long. With the club pros, you know, they might keep it a little shorter rounds 1 and 2, make it longer, you know, in the in the later rounds to lengthen it out. But the par fives are going to be hard to reach in two. And with that, those are going to be wedge opportunities. But also, the only other two wedge opportunities are really 12, a short par, a mid-length par four, and 15, a short par three. So those are going to be the spots to get wedges, is those two holes and, and the par five. So kind of like not your typical PGA Tour setup. Or even like Augusta is a, an example of a place where where guys can, they can hit it up there. Like nine's a good example, right? You got that big downslope and it gets down there and you got a wedge in, right? At Oak Hill, those holes that are like nine in length, they have hazards that prohibit you from pushing it way up there. The long par fours, there's a ton of them and there's a t- couple long par threes. So 11 could play 245, three can play 230, and if you're playing, these are going to be holes that people play early in the morning with split teeth. Those are going to be so long. Um, and then the par, fo- par fours that are over 460 include one, six, seven, eight, nine, 16, 17, 18. Some of those are 500 plus yards, uh, par fours. It's just going to be a lot of long and mid irons, what we don't see a ton of on the PGA Tour. One other thing um, that's relevant about Oak Hill, it's going to be really important for guys to avoid uh, fairway bunkers off the tee. 
Um, this is a place that some players will will try and hit into during majors because they want to avoid the rough. I think the rough's going to be pretty inconsistent. It's going to be patchy. It's it's not going to have a ideal growth period here. I mean, it's it's probably just getting to the the soil temperatures to grow grass in in Rochester at this time of year. So you're not going to see, I think, like that quintessential super thick rough. It should be actually pretty fun because it could be super inconsistent could be tough to judge um it could be kind of a mixed bag when you hit it in there but the bunkers are so deep that the deep faces um present really a problem and especially if your ball rolls up towards the front half of the bunker you're not gonna be able to get home in uh in two um like we talked about with with a lot of these long par fours or par fours that are forcing you to lay a little bit back you're you're not hitting a wedge in you're hitting you know, maybe a six iron. If you're, if you have that face in the way you're, you're all of a sudden having to recalibrate, you know, your expectations of where you're going to get the ball to, which makes one more point with that thinking, you know, you have trees as the other thing you could get in trees. You might be hitting punch shots, punch shots from trees, as well as the, the bunkers that you might not be able to get home for one other skill I'm looking at is recovery pitch shots. I think we're going to see a lot, a good amount of pitches from 20 to to 45 yards guys that are are punching it up close to the green trying to set themselves up i think like one of the things with the oak hills greens they're going to have these wings pushed out and they're going to use those like back corners of greens or front corners and it's going to be about getting it over to the side getting yourself green to work with and it's going to be that 20 to to 50 yard pitch shot that's going to be really important so those are kind of the things that I'm thinking about when it comes to what players are going to play well at Oak Hill. So with that in mind, here are my top 10 players for Oak Hill. At number 10, we got Patrick Cantlay. Obviously, he's got a new man on the back, Joe LaCava. I think you know we see a lot of guys play well with, uh, with new relationships, and, and obviously Joe LaCava is going to give a, a lot of experience on the bag. He's played really well this year, um, in, in particular lately. He's been in the mix a lot. Um, and, uh, I think it's just a matter of time before he keeps knocking on the door. Obviously one of the things with Patrick Cantley, he's just an all around, very good golfer. Um, so he's at 10, he's the number four player in the world. Number 10 on my list. He hasn't done that much in majors, but I think it's more of a, when is it going to happen? Rather if, um, Xander same boat here as Cantley. um, just such an all around player. I think when you get watch Xander cooking, it, he makes the game look really easy. Um, he's obviously had a ton of success in major championships throughout his years. Um, he's here because he's just a very good golfer. Um, all right, getting more into some maybe particular course fits. I got Shane Lowry at, at number eight. I think this is going to be a very hard golf course. Shane Lowry plays very hard golf courses quite well. Um, he hits it high. Um, he plays just great when things are tough, when the weather might be cold, when it gets windy, when it's gnarly. The spring weather that we might see at uh, Oak Hill, I really like Shane Lowry in that case. He's been a really strong major championship player. He's probably a guy that's going to fly a little under the radar like he always does because he's just he's not that high in the world rankings and he's never seems to be just like a sexy pick. All right. Uh, up to number six here. I think that's number six. No, it might be number seven. Number seven. I got Rory here. And 
listen, I think this is a great fit for Rory's game. Everything we just talked about, when it becomes a long iron, mid iron contest, it's about as good of a fit as it can be for Rory. Um, there's going to be a lot of talk about his uh, his family in the area. He's an honorary member. I don't know how often he's been back to play the golf course. I think one of the things about this golf course is nobody's really seen it. I don't think, you know, be, given the time of year, like last year, this time, everybody was doing visits to Southern Hills. You know, there hasn't been a season leading into this that you could go visit Rochester. And I don't think it was on the top of many players' minds last year in the fall to go visit. So Rory, I don't know how often he's been out there, um, but he's one of the few players that has in on this list that played in the last PGA here. He knows a little bit about Oak Hill that other players don't. There's obviously some new holes and new features um, this year at Oak Hill. So it's a great fit. I think it just comes down to like where his head's at. He is obviously took a little bit of a break here from golf. Um, and how is his form going to be? We saw him playing really great golf end of last year into the beginning of this year. And he hasn't been his best since really late January. So that leads us to six, a player in great form, a two-time PGA champion, a guy who's, who's won in the same state at probably a pretty similar setup uh, that we'll see at a similar time of the year. Beth Page in in May, uh, Brooks Kepka, obviously played great at the Masters. Really was in it. Didn't play well on Sunday. I think that's kind of the question about Brooks Kepka at this point. Moving forward, is is what what's going on with the weekends? Uh, it's been it's been become kind of a trend. It, I I don't want to be you know chasing. It's winning golf tournaments, winning major championships is hard. But one of the things is like, it wasn't hard for this guy. And all of a sudden he hasn't done it a lot. But that being said, he's playing great golf and this is a very good course fit for him. He kind of checks all those boxes, right? You got, he hits it high, hits it far enough. He's not like super far long anymore, but he's hits it plenty far high great short game, the ability to make those tough major championship fours, keep the momentum going. Uh, next up five, Cam Young. This course fits amazing. He's, he's so long. Um, I think like if you're, we're talking about how hard it's going to be to get short irons in your hand, how hard it's going to be to get wedges in your hand. There's one guy in the field that might be able to manufacture a few extra short irons. Uh, it's Cam Young. He's so long just a matter of time before he wins and and you know with the majors it's been so impressive the last uh you know he was he was kind of in the mix at, at Augusta uh obviously last year with with Southern Hills and uh in the Open he's been a terrific major championship player in his young career and i i think this is a really really great fit for Cam Young uh up to number 4 this is a little bit of an outlier but it's Kyle Morikawa Remember how he talked about high balls? So Kyle Morikawa is average, um, an average length hitter. But one of the things I think that if you watch Kyle Morikawa tee shots, his tee shots carry. Like he's not a guy that hits a knuckler out there and has it run. His tee shots carry. And so he might be relatively a little bit longer here. If it's a little bit wet, if it's a little bit cold, he he might have a little bit of a an advantage. It might be longer than like a dry course where the ball's running. One of the things with Morikawa 
if it becomes a mid to long iron test, there might not be anybody better in the world. So that's why I really, really like Colin Morikawa. Um, he's played really good golf this year. I think like one of the things that happens in golf is that all the emphasis goes to winning and you know, you lose sight of some guys that have played, piled up some good finishes. You know, one of the other things is not many people have won outside of, of, of John Rahm and Scotty Scheffler. So that's the other thing that's going on in golf is we have a lot of guys with high finishes that just haven't been able to overcome Scheffler and Rahm because they've been so dominant this year. Let's get to a guy that has overcome John Rahm. That's Tony Finau. He's my number three right now. It feels really high. You're probably like, wow, Tony Finau, number three, hasn't won. He's won a ton in the last 18 months. And, and you're going to, it's easy to him and ha about the Mexico Open. I, I myself probably was guilty of it in the right after the Mexico Open. But let's not discount it too much. Tony Finau won a tournament where John Rahm shot 61 on Saturday. You know, John Rahm came after him. Tony was better. So Tony Finau's there. He's plenty long. He's, his approach play continues to get better every year. He's a great pitcher of the golf ball. So I like Tony Finau here. Uh, it gets us to two and one, and everybody probably can pick these out. Scotty Scheffler is number two. And uh, it's pretty simple. When you're great at every aspect of golf, when you're a great driver of the golf ball, uh, a great iron player, great short game, great putter, every golf course is a great fit for you. So Scotty Scheffler is number two. And John Rahm, amidst a historic season, um, we haven't really seen anything like this since Tiger. He's he's kind of like one, two wins away from uncharted territory. Uh, and, and, you know, something I, I was really curious about with what's been going on with the PGA Tours. Like, can a guy win seven times in a year anymore? He's answering that. He's got five wins already. It's insane. That is just nuts. So he's the favorite. You, you can't not list him. I also think the course fits him pretty well. I think the the trees, there's more trees here, but it's got some similarities to Torrey Pines. Narrow fairways, a little bit unpredictable rough, um, and, you know, greens that you have to hit shots up to. So I think John Rahm, obviously, he has to be your favorite. And uh, those are some thoughts for the PGA. I hope that helps you make some picks, start to think about, uh, Oak Hill in a little bit different way and uh, we'll be back next week with more pods thank you for listening to another edition of the Fried Egg Podcast today's episode was edited by Matt Ruches. If you're interested in a little, a few more media day nuggets, I think I'm going to throw up a notes post in Club TFE. That is our membership. We have uh, pretty much daily blogs Monday through Friday um, where we have new posts. Uh, we're building a community over there. It's really, really been fun. And uh, I'm probably going to throw a couple of notes from media days up there. And we'll be continuing to post regular content there. Uh, it's $120 for the year and uh, a great way to support what we do if you enjoy it. So thank you. And we'll be back next week with some more podcasts.